Hi, I'm Michelle, and I'm... Wait, am I the straight-laced psychotherapist? I thought I was going to be the unconventional hypnotherapist, and you were going to be the super serious trauma specialist. No, you were going to be the relationship expert. Like, love expert. And you're going to be the specialist who guides people with down-to-earth techniques for transmuting trauma? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Okay, good. I'll be the love expert. I mean, I am the love expert. I think we have this all sorted out. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light, and this is Holding Ground. Today and every Monday, we've got a little bit of everything for you. Shall we? Yeah, let's do this. Good morning. Welcome to Holding Ground. I am Laura Richer, the founder of Anchor Light Therapy in Seattle, Washington. And as always, I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Mooney who is our resident trauma therapist at Anchor Light. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Laura, and good morning to our listeners. So we have a very exciting show for you today. We are going to be talking about the seven things to know about couples counseling. And so in my opinion, one of the best things that you can do for your relationship or marriage is to go to couples counseling. And today we're going to break down all the reasons why Couples counseling might be able to help you and your relationship. So Michelle has just been recently trained in the Gottman Method, which is the type of couples counseling that we practice at Anchor Life Therapy. So she is an EMDR practitioner and a trauma-focused counselor. And Michelle, tell our listeners why you decided to add the Gottman Method to your toolbox. Yeah, I'm really excited about working with couples. Gottman Method is the gold standard. So it's evidence-based, and um, it comes from John Gottman. So he is a researcher, and he researched couples over 30 years. Um, There was something called the Love Lab where he in-person researched couples, how they dealt with conflict, that sort of thing. And then his wife, Julie Gottman, also um, created this. And so she kind of takes his research and applies it to her counseling practice. So, so they were a really good team. He yeah. was the res- well, they were both doing the research at the Love Lab. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but she was the psychologist. He was the researcher, and they, she took all of his. They took all of his research and developed this counseling method that is is rooted in data and evidence of what works with couples. Yeah. So that's and several what, several years. Yes. Of it. Yeah. Thirty years. Yep. Yeah. So that is what we we love about it is that it's data driven results on. How, uh, how couples can positively adjust the course of their relationship mm-hmm. and their lives. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit more later about how trauma can integrate and disrupt uh, relationships. Yes, absolutely. And I also wanted to say good morning to our producer, Benny, because I heard people were wondering who this voice was chiming in. So good morning, <laughs> Benny. Benny's our producer. Hi there, and welcome back for another one. So <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... This is what Dr. Julie Gottman said about couples therapy and trauma. She said, if you're part of a couple and you've gone through trauma individually, I would really highly recommend not to not to be self-serving, but going to a couples therapist, hopefully a couples therapist who understands how to treat trauma, which we do, Michelle mm-hmm. at Anchor Light, yep. um, is going to is because I believe that trauma affects the relationship and is an incredibly important factor that has to be addressed when a person has been traumatized in their relationship because that trauma also affects the partner of the person who has been traumatized. Yeah. So not only does it affect the person who's experienced trauma, it affects the relationship and their partner. And doing trauma-focused couples therapy can help you work through the specific issues that trauma brings. Mm-hmm. 
And AnchorLight, we are trauma-informed therapists. And what that means um, is that we hold space for what's going on. We hold a safe space for what's going on. And we don't dangerously trigger anything that can really feel hard, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to investigate some things, but not in a dangerous way. So, um, And what can really affect couples that can come out of trauma is negative self-belief. So um, let's say um, a partner had domestic violence in a previous relationship that can teach them, you know, I'm unworthy, I don't deserve love, I, you know, in order to have love, I have to be punished in some sort of way. So working through that trauma and then reframing those beliefs can really help because a lot of times after that, people can get into healthier relationships and mm -hmm. still look for those dangerous things. Yep. And we want to take all of that into consideration. Therapy is not a one-size-fits-all mm -hmm. type of approach, that if there is trauma in the relationship or either within the relationship or individual trauma outside of the relationship that's having an impact on it. Like you said, we want to create a safe space where that can be addressed mm -hmm. so that you can work through it and mm -hmm. move beyond it. Yeah. Opening and up some of those boxes we might not want to look at in, again, a safe space with a neutral person who can guide you through that. Yes. So that is why today we decided to tell you the seven things that you should know about couples counseling to dispel any um, misinformation out there that scares people and maybe to give you some insight into how this might be able to help you if you are struggling in your relationship or just want to improve it. Yes, absolutely. So number one, Laura. All right, let's get started. What yeah, is number let's one? Let's do this. So um, I, so the, as the therapist and Laura, we can't fix or change your relationship for you. So I think a lot of people enter therapy, either individual or couples, we're going to go, they're going to wave a magic wand, they're going to tell us exactly what to do, and we don't give advice in therapy. So I think a lot of people come into therapy thinking we're going to just sit there and tell them what to do. Um, what we do offer is insight, right, into certain behaviors, how those things can maybe mend, um, and just being with you on that journey. Yeah, I mean, and you don't want somebody to tell you what to do because, no. you know, I may have just <laughs> met you. I don't know what is be best for you. You know what's best for you. And what we want to do is help guide you to those answers. That there isn't, you know, of course, as therapists, we go to school and we learn a lot of different therapeutic interventions and techniques to help people. But we don't know you mm -hmm. and your relationship like you know you and your relationship. And so we don't want to make those decisions for you because that's really mm -hmm. not our place or ethical. Um, but we want you to find the right answer. And we we may not, my opinion, may not hold that. Um, and a lot of times with advice, we can get that from family members or friends. And, you know, it, that can be maybe kind of helpful. But the thing is, is only you and your partner really know what's going on in that relationship. Right. Exactly. And well-meaning friends and family, unfortunately, always have biased adva yeah, advice. Maybe they don't like your partner. Maybe they think you um, aren't in the right relationship or mm -hmm. that, you know, there could be all kinds of opinions mm -hmm. people have that typically isn't helpful. And that's actually why people come to therapy for help is because we are offering you unbiased feedback. We're going to offer you observations and uh, tools that you can use, but that we're not, we're working in the best interest of your relationship where, you know, maybe your best friend or your mom cannot necessarily have that same unbiased opinion. Yeah, absolutely. They're on your side, right? And they can tell, sometimes, you know, those people can be like, oh yeah, you need to leave, right? Yeah. And not that maybe they're wrong, but they're biased and, um, you know, 
that can just be unhelpful information. Yeah. Or, you know, the opposite of that. Maybe they don't want you to end your relationship yeah. because that's going to look bad on the family mm-hmm. or they, they're they upset, you know, and they're they're putting that um, influence on you when maybe that's not going to be the most helpful right. or appropriate thing. So right. we can't fix you, but we can help you fix mm-hmm. yourself, basically. So that is the first thing that we want people to know about couples counseling. Yep. It's not a magic wand, but it can have amazing benefits that can last you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. So, Laura, moving on to the next thing. If you can't convince, so this is number two, if you can't, or if you can't convince your partner to enter into couples therapy, start alone. So yeah. that piece is about, um, and we see this a lot, right? Some people will start couples therapy and then we might recommend like, hey, you know, but before you come back or whatever, maybe, you know, individually work through some things, learn about yourself, learn about the root of why you might be having certain behaviors. And that can only enrich the experience when both of you do come to therapy. Yes. Couples therapy. Yeah. yeah. And if you have a partner who doesn't want to come to therapy, that might be your only option is to start doing individual mm-hmm. work. But if your main concern is your relationship and your partner doesn't want to engage in couples therapy, that's okay because you can still work on the relationship by working on yourself. And there are actually, like you said, Michelle, there's a lot of things that people work on uh, or that come up in relationships that they can actually address individually. So Mm -hmm. some of those can be past traumatic relationship experiences that have led to uh, maladaptive coping behaviors and and tools or have created attachment wounds. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that stuff is stuff we can work on on our own Mm -hmm. so that we can be better partners. And that might just have a positive impact on the relationship that can be very helpful. And when your partner sees all these amazing changes in you, they might be inspired to come to therapy too. Yeah. I just really appreciate that you're working on yourselves. Wow. My partner is taking all this initiative to really focus on what um, their behaviors are. So for example, if one of the partners in the relationship yells all mm-hmm. the time, right, mm-hmm. to communicate or try to get their needs met. That can come from, let's say, childhood, right? So if we have a parent who um, might be always intoxicated, has their own mental health issues, so um, personality disorders, severe depression, they can't get out of bed. Um, children learn early on, like, screaming and crying and having tantrums is how I get my needs met. That's how I get attention. Mm-hmm. And so that can carry on into adulthood. So let's say with that particular partner, we investigate those things. We go back through EMDR if that is the therapy they want to do, mm-hmm. give that insight, heal those things, and then that can help, you know, the couple and the individual moving forward. Yeah, because that, you know, if that – the behavior that's showing up in the relationship that's causing problems is really rooted in childhood trauma, it can be beneficial for you to just do your own therapy and work through some of those things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and and a lot of times I've seen this often throughout the years is that one partner will want to come to therapy and the other partner will be scared because they have a lot of misconceptions about what therapy is. They Mm -hmm. think that they're going to be judged or ganged up on. Um, or that the therapist is going to tell them that they should break up, which, again, your therapist should never do. Nope. <laughs> um, and so just by allowing them to see maybe some progress that you're making on your own and that that therapy isn't a scary experience. I mean, I've had clients who who had panic attacks the morning of their session because mm-hmm. they were so afraid mm-hmm. of what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. that can help happen in individual therapy as well. But I think another issue that might prevent or um, give some resistance is uh, the therapist is going to take sides. Mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, Laura, you're a female um, therapist, uh, couples therapist. So if it's a um, straight relationship, um, the husband might be like, oh, well, the females are going to kind of game up on me or take right. sides or something like that. So, And we don't do that. No. The couple as a unit is our client base, right? We want to help both. We want to gain insight. So maybe we'll give insight into certain behaviors and you know see how the other partner, how that influences them, how that falls on them, um, how that feels, but never taking sides. No, and we're not interested in, uh, I want to air quotes, right and wrong, that it's not about being right or about being wrong. It's about what is effective and what is not effective. And so if you have certain behaviors in your relationship that are not effective, I have no judgment about that. I only want to show you that there are more effective ways that Mm -hmm. you can get your, basically we're trying to have our needs met, like yelling, for example. I'm yelling and screaming because I'm trying to get my point across. I'm trying to have... Um, you know, I want my partner to understand me. However, I might have a partner that doesn't it just shuts down when somebody's yelling. So mm-hmm. they're not even hearing me anymore. They've totally disconnected from this conversation. Yeah. And so what I want to do is not judge the person for yelling. That's that's the way that they've learned to to communicate, but to show them that, in fact, you're with a partner who can't hear yelling. And so mm-hmm. these are some more effective ways for you to go about having your needs met. And yeah. that's the whole point. It's yeah. not about judging. Yeah. So going back for a second to the yelling piece. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're yelling to get your needs met. Maybe your partner has some tr- uh, trauma around that, right? Yeah. So they grew up in a home where there was constant yelling. So yelling can equal danger, right? Mm-hmm. I need to flee the situation or, like you said, shut down. Just kind of, like, accept that and kind of, like, curl up in a ball in a way, right? And just feel like you're being punished in some sort of way. So not only is it not effective communication, but if the partner does have some trauma that can only – build upon that and you know yeah break down communication break down the meaningfulness of the relationship right and so these are all things that you can learn it's not about judgment it's just about how to Mm -hmm. be more effective and I always tell people and I truly believe this that I wish that they would teach us these skills in school Mm -hmm. um this would have served me much better in my life than say algebra ever did but (laughs) no trauma on my part from algebra (laughs) whatsoever but Therapists usually aren't math people. Um, no, 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 no. We're social uh, artists, yeah, essentially. So more so, yeah. more English and yeah. sociology majors in, yeah. in the therapy yeah. profession. Um, so, so, but these are, but they are things that you can learn. This isn't. You're not just born with these skills. They mm-hmm. are learned behaviors. And if they weren't modeled to you by your parents uh, or your primary caregivers, you're most likely not going to have learned effective communication yeah. and relationships and these are things that you can come to therapy and learn yep so you know modeling from parents that's a really good point so in the same way if we never learn how to you know manage our finances what credit looks like that Another sort of thing, thing they should be teaching us in high school I, I know i had a brief class and they're like this, this is how you balance your checkbook I'm like, i don't have a checkbook yet but okay <laughs> uh, my parents didn't give me that um so in the same way that maybe that wasn't modeled to a lot of people effective communication skills how to really show compassion how to be open to um, other opinions. Um, so again, we learn how to look at the world. We learn how to function in the world from what our parents have taught us. Mm-hmm. And if there was trauma involved, what they taught us, that trauma is not an effective teacher. Yep. 
but the good news is that you can unlearn those those behaviors Absolutely. and mm-hmm. so it's not uh, you're not doomed to be stuck in negative relationship patterns forever mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that can be done to mm-hmm. that little things actually that can be done that can have a significant impact um so today we are focusing on couples therapy and the seven things that we want you to know about couples work but i also want to say that we do individual therapy as well. So if you are wanting to work on past relationship trauma or childhood trauma and you're not in a relationship right now, but you want to be in a good space for a new one, Mm -hmm. that is also something that you can come to Anchor Light for. Yeah, I've worked with a lot of folks like that. Like, oh, I think I might want to get into a relationship. I'm not ready. I don't have the skills. Um, One thing I like to teach with clients like that um, is, so let's say a client had previous trauma around a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. I had a client actually not too long ago um, where, you know, we're discussing, you know, what do you feel like you deserve in a relationship? What do you feel like you can't tolerate? And this client actually said to me, I deserve things. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't realize that. And um, again, that can be a really hard thing for uh, folks to identify what they feel like they deserve. So really educating, really guiding people along. um, Individually can just be just as beneficial. So earlier in my career and um, my last stint on the radio, I actually talked a lot about dating and helping people get unsingle and find the relationship that they they really want. Um, so that is something that we continue to focus on at Anchor Light. And dating, when you're dating, it's actually a good time to do some work around relationships so that you can identify and attract the relationship that you really want. So And what you really deserve. Exactly. Not settling. Yes. Yes. So I think, Michelle, that this is a good time for us to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking about the seven things that we want you to know about couples therapy. You are listening to Holding Ground on KKNW. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. No matter who we are or where we come from, we all experience difficulties in life. Military veterans know that sometimes it takes strength and determination to make it through. Whether it's obvious physical challenges or struggles on the inside, it takes strength to ask for help when you need it. I knew that I had to get support, not just for me, but for the sake of my wife and kids. Talking about it has helped me feel more like myself again. Honestly, it was hard to open up at first, but it's changed my life for the better. Learn how veterans like us have reached out for help and hear stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazarus, and this is Climate Connections. In 1867, after several days of rain, the Tennessee River surged over its banks and water rushed into Chattanooga, Tennessee. The devastating flood remains the worst in the river's history since record-keeping began. 
But Lisa Davis of the University of Alabama is digging in the dirt and finding evidence of even larger floods in the more distant past. When floodwaters recede, they leave behind minerals. And so we search for these deposits and we date them and we build a chronology of events. And in some cases, we're actually able to reconstruct what the height or the size of the flood was. At their research site in northern Alabama, her team has found evidence of several Tennessee River floods larger than the flood of 1867. And she says such events could happen again. As the climate warms, extreme rainfall is growing more common in the Tennessee River Valley. So Davis says it's important for planners to understand what they could be up against in the future. That information can be used to figure out whether or not dams have been adequately designed. Has anything happened that's bigger than what they have imagined? Not just in the past two centuries, but over millennia. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Thanks for tuning into our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Holding Ground. Quick uh, review that you can find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and we also have a YouTube channel where you can listen to our shows. Some are recorded live, so you can watch that, um, including the EMDR one. That was a really good one to do um, live and have that video on yeah. there. So um, YouTube channel, Anchor Light Therapy. And also go to anchorlighttherapy.com if you want to schedule your complimentary 20-minute consultation. Do. Yeah, see <laughs> yeah. how couples therapy or individual therapy can help you. So today we're talking about the seven things that me and Michelle think that you should know about couples counseling. And the first one is that we can't fix you. We mm-hmm. talked about that in the previous second segment. The second one is if your partner is not ready to come to couples counseling, you can come if, on your own and it'll yeah. still benefit your relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what another, what's number three, Michelle? You should start before the trouble arises. This is so mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. So in the Gottman research, Dr. John Gottman found that most couples wait about six years. They have six years of being unhappy before they decide to that's go. so long. It's a long time yeah. to be unhappy. And usually that's a really interesting statistic because I was talking to someone the other day about like the seven-year itch. It always seems like a mm-hmm. lot. It seems like a lot of couples in their seventh year start to question whether they want to stay in the relationship. So that kind of lines up with if there's been six years of unhappiness that you might start to contemplate that you're not wanting to be there anymore. Yep. So timing is everything. You really want a lot of couples honestly come in when it's too late, when there's too much damage that has been done to the relationship Mm -hmm. and they and and there really isn't a way to to move past it. So you want to come in before that. You want to come in even when there isn't any problems, when you want to just work on improving your communication or maybe building skills before something happens right exactly yeah um and i think that i think this is changing but i think in the past there's kind of been 
a stigma around therapy mm-hmm. or couples therapy. Mm-hmm. Like there must be something wrong with our relationship if thing. we can't figure this out on our own. And people outside, right? Oh, your family, like, oh, you're going to couples therapy. It's that bad, yeah. right? Um, and kind of moving back to the, you know, getting the couples therapy before things get mad or bad. Laura, um, you do a lot of premarital counseling. Yes, and that's a great. I mean, I mean, and typically my clients that come to premarital counseling aren't having issues in their relationship. Mm-hmm. They're getting married, but they want some help on how to talk about some of the issues that can be really difficult to talk about. You know, how are we going to manage our finances? Mm-hmm. Do we want to have children? If we do want to have children, how are we going to raise our children? Um, maybe issues around family and in-laws if there's anything mm-hmm. that comes up there. Mm-hmm. So these are all – this is – premarital counseling is a great time mm-hmm. to, to start talking about mm-hmm. your relationship and, and addressing issues before they actually yeah. come up as problems. And I think when we're planning weddings, a lot of, like, little things can kind of come up. So if we yes. can't compromise over centerpieces or, you know, how many people are going to stand up for us in the wedding, you know, not being able to compromise. I had um, a client – pretty recently who really didn't want somebody to come to their wedding and their partner did. And so, you know, that that's kind of a communication issue. That's also, you know, why why this other partner is not supporting it. Okay, they don't want them at the wedding, right? Even though I really do, my partner doesn't. So identifying those little things as we're planning something big can be, you know, really helpful. So going to premarital counseling around Yeah, that. because it's so interesting. That's such a great example. You know, so I want someone to come to the wedding. I don't want that person. Like, that doesn't seem like a major deal breaker issue. But if some of these things aren't resolved, 15 years Mm -hmm. could go by, and then all of a sudden it's like, I want a divorce. And another thing, I didn't want your Uncle (laughs) Fred at the wedding. Yeah, Yeah. those things can continue to build up. up. Yeah, we've we've talked on previous shows about how some of, you know, a lot of conflicts or disagreements um, you'll have in your relationship um, will always kind of be there if we don't resolve them. So, yeah, it can kind of come back into maybe an argument like, and there was this other time, which yeah. we don't recommend that either, right? Um, and then also, Laura, tell us a little bit more about the kind of, like, depression that can happen after a wedding. Well, I think, so when after couples have a year of planning a wedding, it's, you know, they're kind of consumed by this whole experience. And then they get married, and I think a couple things happen. Now, this like the big excitement celebration stuff has been taken out. So now it's like, well, well, what's next? We've mm-hmm. focused all of our attention on this big event and mm-hmm. now here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes that can bring things up for people. I also think that sometimes there's just an added layer of of pressure that comes when you deepen your level of commitment. And that could be yeah. with marriage. That could be moving in together. That could be having a child together. But that just naturally puts pressure on a relationship because it's it's you're like, oh, wait, now I'm really in this. Now I'm legally bound to this person. <laughs> Maybe some of the things that they did before that weren't bothering me are bothering me now. Mm-hmm. So I think they can bring up some issues around, you know, and I, like I said, that's any form of, of deepening a commitment. And if you're not aware that that's kind of a natural Thing that happens in relationships, you might start to think, oh, something's wrong with our relationship or mm-hmm. this isn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. What's wrong here? And and that's not the case at all. So one thing I love about the Gottman Method is a big piece of it is psychoeducation, that they have all this relationship uh, data and that, you know, we can we can educate couples about, you know, these are normal patterns in a relationship. I, I worked with a couple a little while ago that was a younger couple that were contemplating getting married. They're in their late 20s. And they were wondering if there was something wrong with their relationship because they 
they'd been together for a couple of years and they were kind of moving out of the phase, the initial bonding phase where you're kind of in that euphoric mm-hmm. state where everything that that person does is amazing. Your heart skips a beat when you see them. Um, you know, your adrenaline and endorphins are all firing off. So, you know, we get that for like 18 months. That's the initial part of a relationship. And then as you move into a longer term relationship, you're not, you're not going to necessarily Mm-hmm. Your heart's not going to skip a beat every time you see this person. You might see them every day. It's not a new. It's not new anymore. That doesn't mean that there's <laughs> something wrong with your relationship. And so they were questioning: Is there something wrong? We're not still having this kind of euphoria about each other. Mm-hmm. And so that was a great opportunity to kind of give some, again, some just psychoeducation about this is. These are some of the stages that that happen in long term relationships, and that you don't stay in stage one for the whole time. And that brought them a lot of relief because yeah. they were starting to think that maybe there was an issue when there yeah. really wasn't. Yeah. I think a lot of people can think like, oh, we're getting married and we're planning this wedding or we're moving in together and everything is perfect. And no person is perfect, just like no couple is perfect. So just because there's little like disagreements or, you know, other kind of maybe quote unquote flaws in the relationship, that doesn't mean it's breaking down. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It means we're kind of entering a little bit of reality now. And that's okay because that's what we think we're signing up for, right? And so... Not thinking like, oh, a thing kind of arises, so automatically there's trouble in our relationship. Right. It's and normal. <laughs> it's normal, and relationships have different phases. You have the initial honeymoon phase. You have the, if you get married, the newlywed phase, or even if you're not married, just kind of the beginning parts of the relationship. And then, you know, when couples have children together, that changes the relationship. That changes the dynamic that they have with each other. When they become empty nesters or, or you know, there's all kinds of fa- different phases depending on what your what your life path is. And when something deviates, right, from our normal, right? Like, yeah. oh, we have children, so now we have to focus on this baby, and now we can't yeah. maybe do as many things as we used to do, um, right. et cetera. Yeah. yeah, and I think that, so learning how to effectively communicate during those times and that there are normal phases in relationships that are different, that you're not always, like I said, in the honeymoon phase can be can be really helpful. So you don't have to be in crisis. You don't have to wait until you're ready for you know, ready to walk out the door. There are things, just when challenges come up, it can be a really good time to address those things Mm -hmm. in therapy. And it doesn't have to be a long-term thing either. So like the couple that I was working with uh, that was in their 20s, we we did a little therapy for a little while and then they went on their way. It wasn't, you know, they were just kind of checking in and doing a tune-up. So some people do intensive therapy when there's been a betrayal or or a crisis that happens, but sometimes you can just do a little Mm tune-up. Right, right. So, and challenges happen. So let's say there's an argument. So one of the things that Gottman um, teaches is, so we're going to argue, we're going to have hard times, but how do we repair that after that happens? How fast we apologize, even though we aren't necessarily apologizing for something that we think we did wrong, but just acknowledging like, hey, I understand this hurt you. And then, you know, that apologizing and then interjecting that humor in there, right? Um, And so you know, maybe there's some physical touch or anything like that, you know, a hug, um, you know, those things can really do the repairing. So the challenges are going to happen. Uh, marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling, couples counseling in general teaches us skills around how to repair those things after it yep. happens. Yeah. And that's another thing that sometimes people don't realize is that conflict is normal in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You will have conflict in You're your relationship. You're not the same person. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Two people who live together will have conflict with each other. That is 
And I'm actually concerned if someone doesn't have any conflict at all because that might mean that they're not really expressing themselves or saying what they really think. Good point. They're suppressing things, Mm -hmm. right, or they're um, placating their partner. And that's not good because, okay, so let's say you did something that really hurt me, but I don't want a conflict, so I just kind of deal with it. I absorb it. And then that can create resentment. So we're harboring things that actually aren't functional. And then, like we were talking about, earlier oh and you invited your best friend that I really hate to the wedding and so those things can finally come out in ways that we don't want them to they can come out in anger and arguments or maybe just the end of the relationship you know and conflict doesn't have to be scary or even Mm -hmm. painful it's just it's an actually it's an opportunity to get to know your partner better a lot of people feel more connected to their partners on the other side of a conflict if They know how to handle conflict Mm -hmm. in a healthy and productive way. Mm -hmm. So when we don't handle conflict in a healthy or productive way, then then it can be very hurtful and we can build up resentments and Mm -hmm. find it hard to communicate. Um, But it doesn't have to be that way. There will always be conflict, but there's also a healthy way to handle it that will actually lead to you having a better connection with your partner Mm -hmm. partner and a deeper understanding of them. Yep. Um, So, Laura, do you think this is a good time to take a break? Yeah, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we are going to let you know the second half of the seven things that you need to know about couples therapy. So stay tuned to Holding Ground on KKNW. High school sports are as American as apple pie. And going to a game or meet is a chance to see the stars of tomorrow shine today. But as anybody who's ever attended a high school sporting event in Washington knows... You can't have the stars without the stripes. High schools are currently looking for new officials in almost every sport. Who looks good in stripes? Anybody looking for a way to stay connected to a sport they love. If you like the idea of giving back to your community while earning a few extra bucks, chances are you'd look good in stripes too. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. No officials means no games, no stripes, means no stars. And what kind of America would that be? Washington needs more high school officials. Go to highschoolofficials.com to sign up or learn more. That's highschoolofficials.com. Do you make a positive difference in the world? Do you have a talent, philosophy, base of knowledge, product or service that you know could help a lot of people if only you could reach them? Join Alternative Talk 1150's family of broadcasters and start walking down a fruitful path. As host of your very own program, dial 425-653-1150 and find out just how affordable it can be to have a show on 1150 AM. That's 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazarus, and this is Climate Connections. It's harvest time, and by eating what's in season locally, people can reduce the carbon pollution caused by trucking food long distances. That's easy to do when farmers markets are open, but it can be more challenging in the dead of winter, especially in cold regions. So Brooke Nisley of Alternative Roots Farm in Minnesota encourages her customers to do what their ancestors did, Preserve food now to enjoy later. Items like berries, peppers are super easy to freeze. And root vegetables can be kept in a cool pantry. We installed a new large walk-in cooler system where we can store our apples and other winter storage crops, squash, onions, garlic, late into the winter. She provides those items to her customers 
along with canned foods and greens that she grows in a passive solar greenhouse. She says local farmers may offer more in winter than you realize, and talking to a farmer is also a chance to learn about their growing methods. Don't be afraid to connect with your farmers in a deeper way or reach out to them at a point in the season to find out what they might have. So just rethinking what eating in season means and how you can integrate that into your life. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Thanks for tuning into our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Holding Ground. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy in Seattle, Washington, and I am a relationship therapist. I love what I do. I think couples counseling is a transformative and really amazing thing, and I think that everyone should do it. So today, me and my co-host and co-therapist at Anchor Light Therapy and trauma specialist, Michelle Mooney, are talking about the seven things that we want you to know about couples counseling. And so far, we have talked about we can't fix you. Mm-hmm. Even if your partner doesn't want to come to couples counseling, you can still work on your relationship in individual therapy. Mm-hmm. And number three, Michelle, you should was, start before the trouble arises. Yes. So. so don't wait for a crisis. You can come in anytime. And so now we're on number four. What do we want people to know about couples therapy? Number four. So this is a great one. It's the why, not the what. So Laura, can you expand that on that a little bit? Yes. So oftentimes couples will come to counseling and they are upset or triggered by specific behaviors or things that are happening, like my partner watches too much football and doesn't pay attention to me um, or, um, you know, things aren't equal in the home or whatever the issue is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so initially they might be coming into it to address that issue. But oftentimes it's not really about that. It's not, it's not real- about the football. I mean, yeah. it can be. Yes. Well, it's about what the football represents. So if, <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. if I feel abandoned in my relationship and mm-hmm. my partner's putting their attention on something else, then it's really about my feelings of abandonment. It's not really about yeah football. And just wanting attention sometimes. So uh, one of the Gottman pieces is, you know, it we have bids for attention. Mm-hmm. So let's Connection. say the partner... Yes, a connection. Mm-hmm. So um, so let's say that same example, the football example, right? If your partner is constantly watching football, it's loud. They want to watch every team going on. And you're kind of like, hey, can we talk about what we want for dinner? And the mm-hmm. partner keeps focusing on the football and they don't respond, right? That can be really unhealthy. And all the other guy had to say is like, hey, I want pizza and popcorn or whatever it is. Um, so that's really important. So, and that's one thing that I love about the psychoeducation piece of the Gottman Method is that sometimes people think that these things are insignificant. You know, I don't care what we're having dinner. I'm watching the Seahawks game. Um, but, so then say that. Yeah, you know, but, that's all you have to do to your, for your partner. Yeah, right? and they're just little adjustments that you can make that can have a really significant impact on your relationship. And sometimes people don't really understand that. 
you know, the other thing with this, though, is say that I am triggered by football because I'm feeling abandoned in my relationship. And that's what we really want to address is it's not football Sunday, but the fact that you feel abandoned and Mm -hmm. see what that's about. If it's, you know, it could be something that has happened in the relationship that's caused you to feel that way. It could be something that happened in a previous relationship or in your childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are all issues that you can work through so that you can get into a healthier place in your current relationship. Yeah. So I think those feelings of abandonment, like you said, can come from prior relationships, but also I think a lot of times more rooted in childhood. So let's say, you know, your parent, for whatever reason, was absent. Um, That can really cause that. Where's my parent? Where's my love? Where's my attention? And then we can kind of carry that through and apply to situations where that might not be really the, you know, what's going on. So the partner who didn't answer during football, like you said, maybe he doesn't care what, you know, is for dinner. But to that other partner, it's like, well, why aren't they responding? Why aren't they there? Why did they disappear into this game? So that can come from a lot of different places. And again, addressing that trauma. Um, even and you in- should always answer your partner when they're talking to you. Yeah. People get into these bad these bad habits. So that is important. But at the same time, it's not that big of a deal. But if I have a narrative that I'm being abandoned or I'm mm-hmm. not good enough or um, you know, I can just really run with that wood. Maybe my partner didn't hear me because he or she is so mm-hmm. enthralled with the game and what's yeah. happening. Doesn't mean they want to check out of the re- relationship right. or they're leaving you. But it can feel that way if you mm-hmm. have unresolved abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily about the dishes in the sink. It's what the dishes in the sink represent to you. And that's what we can help you get yeah. to. Shout out to the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> Always a problem with the dishes. Why aren't the dishes done? Dishes and laundry are really problematic in relationships. Yeah. Or maybe just for us, Laura. <laughs> yeah, they're never ending. Right. No, I see that a lot with couples, though. There's yeah. a lot. Household chores are a big are a big topic in relationships. And it can really, like, if those things aren't resolved, those, you know, an individual can come to therapy and, like, gosh, you know, and she, she just doesn't do this or he doesn't do this. And it's like, okay, so that's... That's what you're focused on. That's what you think is going on. But again, it's like you seek collaboration. You seek, you know, respect from your partner. You know, hey, I acknowledge that you did this thing. It's really great, et cetera. So those are the root things that we want to get to. And we've talked about in previous shows before, and this comes up in relationships and just all different aspects of our lives. But the stories that we tell ourselves are the experiences mm-hmm. that we're creating. So there, mm-hmm. uh, my partner could do something, and I'm going to tell myself a story about what that means. Oh, they don't do the dishes because they don't care about me and they think that I, I'm i the one who has to do all the work and this is just like when I was a kid I had to do all the dishes for my siblings and like it could create this when my partner just may not even realize that that was the situation, right? That's or not... that they that they aren't helping, they aren't meeting my expectations. And maybe sure. I can just mm-hmm. tell them, hey, I need more help, and they'll be like, oh, I didn't realize that. Yep, yep, absolutely. We need to communicate these things, right? Yes, and so that's what we learn mm-hmm. in therapy is how to effectively communicate. So let's go on to number five, Michelle. Number five, couples therapy works. Yes, the research and data show that. It does work. Not for everybody. You have to be in the right space for it. But working on your relationship can sometimes save your relationship when it's in crisis or it can just make it better. Yep, setting that foundation. So here are a few things that um, traits of people who are successful in couples therapy. Uh, The first one that I think is probably key is – They are not focused on being right or winning the argument. They are focused on resolving issues in the relationship and coming to a place of of mutual understanding. Mm -hmm. So if I need to fight with my partner and win, that means I need to make my partner wrong. And that Mm -hmm. is never going to work out. That that will not uh, 
be in favor of what the relationship needs. Mm -hmm. So thinking in just black and white terms is never going to be effective, right? There's always that gray in the in-between, in that gray of compromise, that gray of, you know, at least being open to hearing your partner's idea and like, oh, maybe I'm not right or whatever it is. And, you know, on, building on that, um, talking more about the, for a second, about the resistance to come into counseling, maybe one of the partners is like, oh, they're, you know, the therapist is just going to agree with my partner who always thinks they're right or, you know, disagree with me. And again, that's not what happens. That's not what we're there for we're not going to take sides the couple as a unit is the client yes and so we don't look at things in therapy as right or wrong we look at what is effective and what's not effective mm -hmm. so you might have a behavior that I can identify as your therapist that is not an effective behavior because it's not creating the result that you're mm -hmm. trying to create and so I can observe that and maybe offer you some alternatives mm -hmm. or maybe help you reframe it so you can see it in a different way mm -hmm. but there is no judgment about that we're trying to support you in creating the results that you want and teaching you tools that will help you be effective in doing that yeah it, it's in Insight that we offer, right? It's um, you know digging deeper into what might be going on. It's not advice, but we're there for you know with yeah. you again on that journey. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. yep. So couples therapy works for people who are seeking resolution, not seeking to be right. It also works well for people who are prepared to do the work. They know that they that there is no magic wand. That the therapist isn't going to tell them what to do. That they are going to have to dig in and. Mm -hmm find their own answers, and that they, while they may think it's their partner needs to change, are open to the possibility that they also might have some work to do. Yeah, motivation, yeah. right? That they each have motivation coming in and, like you said, being prepared to do the work. Yep. And so this, people who are willing to uh, change their narrative. So I talk a lot about the stories that we tell ourselves, and I had an interesting week last week in couples counseling with a couple different couples that I was working with. Um, and that was that I realized, they realized that they their arguments were not really, their conflicts that they were experiencing were not based in reality at all. They weren't having conflict about anything that was actually happening. Yeah. They were having conflict about the stories they were telling themselves about what could potentially happen. Mm -hmm. And so we all kind of had a good laugh about that because a lot of times we're engaging with the stories in our minds that are not rooted in reality in any mm -hmm. sort of way. Yeah. So my past partner, you know, always thought maybe I was doing the wrong thing, um, criticizing me. So maybe we go into the next relationship and we already have that narrative set that my parent or my partner is going to criticize me. Any kind of feedback can be received that way. Right. And that's not what it is, but it's that narrative that we tell ourselves of, you know, deciding who our partner is and deciding what their actions mean. Right. And that comes up a lot with infidelity. If I've mm -hmm. had a partner who has cheated on me mm -hmm. and I haven't resolved that trauma, then I might be anticipating that that is going to happen in my next relationship. And so I'm, I'm having conflict about the potential of this happening when right. it hasn't actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the benefit of working through trauma so that you don't bring that trauma. Because mm -hmm. what you're doing, you're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to prevent an unwanted outcome, but you're actually inviting it into your life when you're continuing to focus on it and relive yeah. it over and over. Yeah. Trauma and how we respond to that is um, how, protection yeah. and not connection. And that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there are times when couples therapy is not recommended. Um, and so I want to point that out too, that sometimes individual therapy is going to be more appropriate than couples therapy. Uh, probably um, 
definitely when there's domestic violence in a relationship, yeah. mm-hmm. couples therapy is, is contraindicated in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. You would want to focus on individual mm-hmm. therapy and then maybe coming together once you've worked uh, separately. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's if you are experiencing domestic violence and you need to reach out for some help, you want to reach out as an individual. Mm-hmm. And uh, two things on yeah. that. Um, so if there's domestic violence in the relationship, we're not we're still not there to tell you to leave. Right. We're guiding no. you and maybe giving some insight. And then you get to decide that. And side note on domestic violence, that can be physical and it can also be emotional. Abuse. Yes. Yeah. And again, we are we have no judgment. We are offering you an unbiased perspective to try mm-hmm. to help you work through whatever you want to work through and help you reach the goals that are your goals. So mm-hmm. my goals may not be your goals. So that is yeah, it is not exactly. for me to put, project my goals onto you. And yep. that's we are very aware of that. Yep. Um, so that would be a time when couples therapy is probably not a good fit. Other than that, I think it's pretty much a good fit for every couple. Something really powerful can happen when two people come together and and uh, allow themselves to be vulnerable and work through yeah. issues. And, mm-hmm. and that can create more intimacy and a deeper connection with your partner. And that's what we all want, right? That's why we get into these relationships. Yeah. Connection. So, Michelle, now we are on to number six. What is num- What is the number six thing we want people to know about couples therapy? This is a great one. So a lot of times before people come into therapy, um, they – are hesitant about, is this going to work, right? And so the Gottman method is data-based, and a lot of people prefer numbers. They prefer research. They want to see, okay, this might actually work because there's all this evidence presented. So people who are kind of more logically minded, this might really appeal to them. Yeah. So I learned about couples counseling in my master's program, um, and when I started working with couples, I realized that some of the things that I had learned while they can be very effective approaches with certain people, um, I just didn't feel like it was the right fit. A lot of my clients are are in tech. They're very analytical, logical, data-driven type people. And so when I was looking for something that I thought would be a better approach than what I had learned in graduate school, I loved the Gottman Method because yeah. it's based in 30 years of research. Right. And the therapeutic interventions that we learn in the Gottman Method are – are studied and they're evidence based and mm-hmm. they're they're proven to have results. So, mm-hmm. yep, I love that piece of it. You know, we also use assessments and and different types of strategies that mm-hmm. will help people navigate conflict, improve their communication, um, the whole deal. Yeah, all packaged and yeah together for you. <laughs> nice little gift. Yes. Yeah, so if you like data and you want to know percentages of of results, then this is the this is your your method. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So, Laura, are you ready for our our last tip on how couples therapy can help you? Yes. And so this is the seventh thing that we want you to know for today, but I'm sure we're going to be telling you a million more things in upcoming episodes. But for today, number seven thing that we would like for you to know is that if you have tension in your relationship right now, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a million more things, Laura. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. I mean, couples yeah. therapy is a big topic. Ooh, okay, right? I'm yeah. ready. Yeah. <laughs> Not to, for today, we're just doing seven. Yep. Okay. So, tension. Why don't you talk to us about that? All right. Well, well we're living in a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. We're living, we're facing maybe a we, financial crisis in our lives. We have all kinds of pressures on us. 2020 has been a very bizarre year. 
And so uh, we have an election upcoming. We have a I lot think of bizarre is a really good term. For yes. It. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I mean, I know I wasn't expecting this kind of year. Mm-hmm. So I think all of us are pretty thrown off. Mm-hmm. So if you already had stress in your relationship, this can really be piling on top of it. Yeah. It only impacts it further. And mm-hmm. um, maybe one of you I've seen this out actually recently is an essential worker. So um, I actually have a friend um, who is a nurse mm-hmm. and her partner um, is more susceptible to getting sick. Mm-hmm. So there had to be a lot of um, distance. Um, she did have to stay away from the home and that can create tension. And then Laura, you and I are essential workers. Mm-hmm. So we, are. we we're still working. I was working at my agency well into almost April. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at any time I could have been called in, I was doing assessments and that sort of thing for clients. We were still doing telehealth. And even now, you and I are open. We're essential workers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so that can bring a added stress into the relationship of, you know, maybe one person is outside of the house and that that creates stress about what does this mean for our family? Mm-hmm. What does this mean about how we can interact with people? Can we interact with any p- other people? Yeah. Um, and so right now is a time that a lot of relationships have felt very stressed, especially people who live in small spaces together. Maybe we're used to having our routines where we go to work every day or go out with friends and now mm-hmm. those things aren't there. So yeah, people who live in studio apartments, that sort of thing. Right. Like there's no space to get away from each other. Yeah. And yeah. Everything's amplified. Mm-hmm. So I was reading some research on relationships during the pandemic. They're just starting now to do some studies around that. Love it. Um, and I can't remember which study I was reading. But one of the studies was saying that couples that were already um, had good communication skills, who didn't have high conflict in their relationships, who were already thriving together, their relationships were actually deepening during this time because they were having the opportunity to spend more time together. Yeah. Yeah. They like each other. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But couples who had conflict in their relationship, uh, they were having a harder time because this has put a magnifying glass on everything and Mm -hmm. amplified the things that we might have been able to avoid. We can't avoid when we're in a studio apartment together, Mm -hmm. both working from home. And a lot of... um, Values can kind of be addressed during this time. Um, you know, if one of you is really pro pro wearing masks and the other isn't, or you know, just having different beliefs around this, we can say like, oh, I don't even realize they might be thinking this way. So yeah, one person feels like it's okay to go out and socialize. The other person's really worried about yeah, let's it. Let's go to the bar, and the other one's like, no, 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 yes. right? Yeah. yeah, we have different. You know, so some relationships can really struggle with that, and I think you know now. Of course, we're talking specifically about the pandemic, but anytime something difficult happens in life and, you know, this particular incident is happening to all of us, but there are times that your relationship is going to be stressed, which has nothing to do with you and your partner. It can be times, you know, of grieving. Maybe somebody loses a parent or somebody mm-hmm. loses a job or. God a, forbid you to lose a child. Lose right? a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or there's a ch- or your child is experiencing challenges that you're trying. Maybe a child has an addiction or, you know, there's all kinds of things that can put stress on your relationship. And so what couples therapy can do for you during those times or even before those times is help you create a solid foundation where you know how to communicate with each other. You understand each other's triggers you know, we all have triggers. We all have buttons that can be pushed. And mm-hmm. hopefully, if you have a good understanding of your partner, you work not push to push those, those buttons. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they will do the same for you. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Laura, I think this was really good information today. And to a reminder to all our audience, you can go to our website, anchorlighttherapy.com, and sign up for a complimentary 20-minute consultation, chat with us, and, uh, yeah, we'll we'll guide you. And yeah, just, if yeah. you think couples therapy might be able to help you out during this time, whether you're having a lot of difficulties or if you just want to do a little tune-up and make things better, give us a call, and we can we can help you out. Yeah. Well, thank you today for listening to Holding Ground. We look forward to being here next week. Have a good Monday. Thanks for tuning in to Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. We'll see you next week.